Welcome to our very first episode of the Death Dialogues Project. Hey, I'm Becky, a longtime psychotherapist who moved to New Zealand from the U.S. seven and a half years ago. I was exposed to death as a very small child, being taken to many a visitation and funeral, and visiting loads of dying people with my parents, so death has always been a part of my vocabulary. And then with my work as a nurse's aide, and then a nurse, and then finally a psychotherapist, of course, yes, I professionally interfaced with death. Probably the most enriching work of my career was conducting interviews with dying people in a process called dignity therapy, where the person was able to explore the highlights of their lives and what they wanted to leave for their families. Inevitably, tough stuff would also come up, and it was really an honor to be able to help people come to terms with the lives they'd lived prior to their deaths. Probably the least enriching work with death was within the medical settings when, as staff, we were so rushed and it was difficult to spend any time holding someone's hand and just being with them when their their time of death was drawing near. And I was one of those people that would have really preferred to be sitting and holding a hand and holding that space. And it was very hard to do that delicate dance and not be able to spend that time. So fast forward to the past few years where I've personally experienced deep loss when the two rock stars of my life died within 10 months of each other. So it was then I thought I had made up the term death doula um, as walking them home and caring for them during that time felt so much like the energy that you put out when you're helping a life come into the world. And you may have heard the term before, birth doulas. But little did I know that that trend had already begun and people were training to be death doulas and pursue that sacred work. So why my belief is that it is the same generation that took back their power for birth from the medical establishment that is now taking more ownership of the death and dying process. Right on. So back to my loved ones. We tend to them them at home, for their dying and for after death care. My brother stayed home with us for three days before taken to meet us at the church for his funeral. Thank goodness for a very precious funeral director who had never supported or done this before, but was more than willing to because he knew this was a trend that is coming. That sacred time was the most meaningful time I've ever spent around death. And as I told my sister-in-law, this right here, this has been the equivalent to what we'd accomplish in years of therapy for this grief. So then my 94-year-old mother, who proclaimed that, of course, a mother should never outlive a child and was living with us here in New Zealand, she died 10 months later. And we went through the same process of taking full care of her during the death and the aftermath. There was no one involved with her process besides us, and we had a beautiful service for her at our home. So both of these experiences are very deep and wide, and I'm sure you'll hear more pieces of them as time goes by because they've informed this project so intimately. My husband's parents have then also died since my mother's death. You know, there's really no preparation for the dance with death that happens with your own families. 
having professionally interfaced with death, and my husband had as well as a physician, you know, we were both well-equipped to deal with the physical, but each relationship we have holds its own mystery of what death will bring to the emotional table. And then the aftermath. I'm so interested in people's experience of feeling if they have had connection with someone after death. And that's an experience I've had as well. So for the interviews we're conducting so far, everyone has affirmed when I asked that final question that yes, they have had an experience where they know it was their loved one speaking to them from beyond. And interestingly, this is a part of the story that they have never volunteered as of yet. Let's hear those stories too. I want to hear that. We love that information. (sighs) Grief becomes you. For real. Our deep losses embed themselves within ourselves, our DNA. There's no right way to grieve, and we want to hear about your grief journeys. So the initial goal of this project was to create a verbatim play from interviews of people's experiences surrounding death, and that is still a huge part of the project. But soon after we began, we decided we would let this be an organic process as there is clearly a cultural wave forming about owning our death experiences and being open to what that involves. I've seen the power of verbatim theater having produced, directed, and acted in Eve Insler's The Vagina Monologues, which was created from over 200 interviews with women. And the very first verbatim play I was exposed to was when I was in the Laramie Project, which was built from interviews uh, surrounding the death of Matthew Shepard, a young, beautiful gay man who was tortured and killed in Laramie, Wyoming. This crossroads of art and social action is terribly intriguing and inviting for this project. So here we go. The Death Dialogues Project podcast is one more way we will be increasing these conversations. Come along with us as we share our stories and invite guests to share theirs. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and our blog where we share your stories and your projects. And that's at www.deathdialogues.net. And hey, if you're in New Zealand, the debut of our project is in Whangarei on the 25th of November. Hey, come join us. You'll find the event on our Facebook page. Take good care and thanks for listening.